Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Lash Journey podcast. I have such an awesome guest today. I'm so excited. Her name is Mary Harcourt, and she is the CEO of the Cosmo Glow Light. I'm sure all of you have heard of it. We all have it in our own studios. It's literally everywhere. So I wanted to ask her to come on because I think that all of the bits and pieces I know of her story are just so insanely inspiring and she is so freaking down to earth. So I knew that um, it would be great to have her on and talk to you guys and just talk to you about her journey because um, a lot of you probably don't know, but she actually started out in the lash industry too. So let's um, let's get started and hear about her background and just like how she got to where she is today. Hey, Mary, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So I I don't even know where to start because I think that your story is just so mind-blowing to me, so inspirational for someone like me. So let's start, I guess, at the beginning. Like where how did you get started? Um, and then like how did this even become an idea for you um to to begin with, let alone actually executing it and killing it? Yeah, the second part was the hard one. <laughs> um, thank you so much for having me on today. I do love to share my story. I'm so similar to so many. Um, I got my license when I was 18, kind of was in and out of the beauty field my whole life. I would dabble into different things, whether it was waxing or facials or hairstyle. I was a hairstylist for years and I just never found like the thing that I loved. And then I found lashes. And that was it for me. Lashes to me were like glue. I literally, once I took the first class, I was terrible. I sucked. I was awful. I went home and cried that how could I be so terrible at this new thing that I'm so excited about? But I stuck with it and went to more classes and practiced and really applied myself. And I was like addicted to it. I wanted to get better. And so fast forward to five, six years later, I had my own salon in Los Angeles and we were loving life. Like much like you running a successful business, I had a great staff. We had a great following. We had wonderful clients. Everything was going so well. And um, I would sit there and think, God, you know, these lights are so annoying. How has no one ever figured out a better lighting solution? Because you have the tripods that you go to stretch. I, live, I was in California, small, small, small treatment rooms. But I would go to stretch and my leg would kick over a tripod and I have to catch it, have like a mini heart attack while my client's sitting there sleeping. Like what would happen if a light falls on her? Let me catch that quick. And then we tried filming lights and they gave off so much heat that we'd all be like, sweating. So we'd have the air conditioners cranked as high as possible. And our clients would come in shivering, asking for blankets. Like there just wasn't a right lighting solution. And I really didn't do much with it there, to be honest. It was kind of just one of those things that was in the back of your head. And as the years went on and as I replaced my lights numerous times, and as my employees still continue to complain about every light that I brought into the studio, I thought there just has to be a better solution to this. And so I was hanging out with my husband and we were talking about like, you know, there has to be a perfect light. And he said, well, you complain about these lights. Like I, I've literally heard you complain about these lights for like two years and we have to make a line in the sand. Either you're done talking about it or you do something about it. And I was kind of like, I don't make lights. I'm a lash artist. And he said, okay, like, let's talk about it. What would it look like? So I, we were at a bar having some wine and I took a napkin sketch with a pen, you know, asked the server if you could borrow her pen. And I said, I just want it to look like the top of those old school tanning beds, the kind that you like clamshelled on top of yourself, like that, that art, that design. 
And then it has to have a flat base and it has to be like heavy. It has to be stable. These lights fall over all the time. It's like a liability. And so we got a napkin sketch and he pretty much said, perfect. There you go. Go get that made. And we kind of laughed it off and left it at that. And then I went back to work the next day and I was thinking, God, you know, if, if I could really do this, it could change so many people's lives. It could change so many industries across so many countries. Like I'm a world traveler. I've been to 64 countries. So when I think I like to think big, I like to think about every other country out there and every other person living in these countries. And I thought, oh my God, this is so much bigger than just me. And so I really started applying myself into what would it take? And we found a local metal shop that made us the frame. We got in some electronics and kind of pieced it together. It wasn't safe. There was wires hanging out everywhere, but we got enough of an idea to be, to realize like, oh my God, this could change everything. So then I got really serious about it. Like how would I get a prototype made? And we got our first prototype made and then we got the second one. And I realized that when my girls would fight over who got to lash under the light in their room, that we really were onto something, but that's kind of where it stopped. And so this is all like September, 2019, um, fast forward to January, 2020, we had three, we finally had like a third prototype that worked and the clients would come in my room going, Oh my God, that light is so cool. I said, Oh, thank you. I, it's mine. It's my idea. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I got it made. Cause I was just wondering if this would work. And now we all fight over who could lash in that room under that light. So it works. And my clients would say like, why don't you go make that a company. And I said, I'm, I'm so happy here. Like, I love seeing you guys. We got a good thing going in the beauty industry. Like you build until you're really proud of something you built and I'm there. So it just seems strange to like, want to pursue this product company. I mean, I guess if I ever get the time, I'll do it. But when am I ever going to get the time? I'm fully, fully booked. We have a busy place. I'm running payroll at 11 o'clock on Thursday nights. Like when am I ever going to get the time? And then fast forward to March of 2020, which we all remember, where we got a local call saying due to state restrictions, you guys are closed in the personal care services for an indefinite amount of time. And nobody knew what to do. (laughs) Nobody knew, like, how long is this going to last? Is it three weeks, three months? I mean, three days? Nobody was thinking years. And here we are still. And so it was really that is what spurred me into it. I got my salon settled. We got my girls straightened out. We figured out our plan of action now that we're closed. We sent out the emails to everyone. We're in this with you. We miss you and your lashes. We're going to get through this together. And then once I got the salon to a stable place, it was one of those moments where you looked at that light and thought, huh, if I ever get the time, I think I was just given the time. And I took all kind of focus and resources and flipped it into let's get this thing made. Like let's make this a real product. And a lot of times I bring this up because we all have that moment in life, that point at which are we really going to do it or are we just thinking about it? And that moment for me was in that moment. And the only reason I had enough courage and bravery to do it was literally because everything else was in a spiral out of control. I had no clue how long my salon was going to be closed. I had no clue when we were going to reopen. I had no clue if my staff was going to stay with me or if my clients were going to stay with me. And so it was almost like, well, what's one more thing? (laughs) What's one more thing? And if it doesn't work, then I can always restart. 
And I always think back to COVID as kind of my launch point because it really was, that was the time, not only was I just gifted this time to focus on everything, but it was the exact right amount of courage that I needed when everything else was in a free fall. What's one more thing? So we switched gears, placed a PO. I found a company that would take an order size that I was willing to kind of front. <laughs> and we did half up front and it wiped out my account. And I thought, oh, wow, this is a really big step. And if it doesn't work out, at least I'll know I tried. But also that's terrifying to think about. And here we are. And so we placed the first PO and that was around, let's see, April of 2020, May, I had a proper business name. We had a website. We were open for sales. I got my first sale in May 9th, 2020, the day I put the website up or the day I launched it live. You can, you can purchase this. Uh, sales are now live for a pre-sale. The sale came in an hour later and I thought, oh my God, Whew, okay, we're doing this. And then from there, we kind of launched. I mean, it's a much longer story than that. So if you want to pick into it, please do. But that's really how we got started. Yeah. I mean, I think back to it's funny because we probably started lashes around the same time. Like I remember my first light was literally one of just like the spa lamps with the magnifying glass, <laughs> you know, like that horrible overhead light. And then it was like, um, you know, and then you had like the I don't want to put any other companies down, but you had like the the cheaper ones that were a little bit like head heavy and they would always fall on your client's face. And it's funny to me because I don't remember a time now that the the Cosmoglow light wasn't out. I, I kind of forget even just hearing you talking about 2020. I'm like, I feel like it's been around so much longer because it's become such a huge like thing in our industry. But I remember, and this is like way before ever meeting you or knowing you, I remember seeing that come out and like how social media just kind of like blew up with it so fast. And I was like, this is amazing, you know? And I think that I, I've kind of like heard through bits and pieces of listening to you talk about this story that, you know, in the beginning, your strategy was to pre-sell as much as you could to help with that big like order in the beginning. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. So yeah, smart. my terms were 50, 50% down and I didn't have the other 50%. It was a let's, put this all out there and see what happens. And so I thought, okay, what if I pre-sale all of the lights I ordered and then that will give me the other 50%. And it was one of those like, oh, I hope and cross my fingers that we can make this all happen. Otherwise, I'm going to have to put this on a credit card or take out a loan or do something. I don't even know. It wasn't even like fully thought out. It was one of those like, I'm just doing it. I call it jumping into the world of the unknown. Like you cannonball into the unknown world, but you're already in the air and you're going to hit the water and eventually you're going to just sink or swim and make it happen. But luckily, we I was able to get the word out and put enough of videos and information for people and ask me questions. I went on lives that we sold out our first batch before it shipped, which was really exciting. And so we opened up a second batch and I just put everything back into, I mean, still to this day, three years later, that's what we're doing is taking everything and putting it back in so we can establish a greater and bigger company. But that's how we got started. And it was really that batch number one, uh, pre-sales that sold out, batch number two that sold out, batch number three. And I think by the third batch that kept selling out, I realized we can't do batches. Like I can't place a PO for a certain number of lights. Like you guys just have to keep making them. And as fast as you can make them, I think I can sell them. And that's really what happened. That's insane. And so 
how, I mean, like pretty soon, right? Like by the time that you, or what was the time frame here from when we did open back from COVID? Because I, I want to get into that story too. Like I'm assuming maybe you still open your salons and then probably ended up pivoting or did you just stop there? Like how, how soon from like the, you know, batch one, batch two, batch three, like what was that length in time? And, um, you know, how did your personal business and like everything pivot after that because of the insane growth? Yeah. I mean, there's so much to unpack there, but I'll start with the batches we placed. I believe I placed my first PO in April and they were supposed to ship in June or July, but my factory also got shut down for not being essential. And that was the phone call where I'm like, we're shipping in July. This is going to be awesome. And they called and said, well, I think we're going to have to move it back to August. And I said, August. And they're like, we're closed. Like we live in the same state as you. California was not nice to businesses. And I just thought, oh my God, my world shattered. Like I already took these people's money. Um, I have orders. I promised them a ship date. And it kind of was working through that was a challenge in and of itself. And I believe we started shipping maybe late August, maybe October. So there was quite a bit of a time span. But also in the process, companies were just shut. We lived in California. I mean, companies were just closed. And so intermittently, our, my salon could pop back open for a time. I remember, I think it was like June or July, they reopened personal care, care services. But get this, you could only work outside on the sidewalk. So we had to move my entire salon outside and make this makeshift studio uh, it, it, it was a whole thing. It was crazy. I mean, people were getting like sunburns. We had to come up with a sunshade type of thing. It was hot. There's like sweat rolling down our, our backs as we're doing lashes. We lived in a beach community. So you have people playing their music. They're sitting in their car on conference calls. There's like exhaust wafting in. I'm thinking there's no way this is any cleaner or more sanitizer. It's more sanitized than being in our studio with private rooms that we have a license in sanitation. Like this is crazy. But we did that as long as they let us do it. Then they closed us again and said, okay, that can't happen. And I don't remember the exact timeline. It was somewhere around like December, January, we got to reopen for good. And so by that point, I was kind of juggling both, but it was really easy to juggle. And Cosmoglobe was growing. It was getting worldwide recognition. The social media accounts were blowing up. And it became kind of like my full-time focus as my salon took a back burner. And then when we finally were allowed to reopen, it was like roll call. Like, who's still with me? What staff do I have? What clients do I have? Let's open up this booking site again. Let's get this thing going and let's go. And we were packed. I mean, all of us were so happy to work again. The clients were happy to get services again. And so by that time, I was sitting there thinking our first lights had already landed. I mean, we had several hundred that had already shipped. And we were getting questions and emails and all this stuff. And my front desk girl, who's still with me to this day, Alex, was taking phone calls for the salon, phone calls for Cosmo Glow, text messages, helping people put their lights together. Somebody booked out all my hours, you know, for 40 hours a week, they, they have my hours, they paid for them. And so at like nine o'clock at night, I'd get back on Cosmo Glow and answer all these questions and go through the emails. And I thought this, I literally can't make this sustainable. I have to choose. And 
Cosmoglow has so much potential. I mean, it has worldwide coverage potential and I want to get there and I love my salon so much, but I have to choose one. And so around January, I decided to put my salon up for sale and it did sell in March of 2021. So to amazing owners, it's still open today. They're doing a fantastic job. They are awesome. I sold it to the right people. So I'm very thankful for that. But yeah, that was the turn of events was a little bit of like this hopscotch, open, closed, open, closed, open, closed. And then we were finally allowed to reopen. And I thought, oh my God, I cannot do this long term. Yeah. So... I mean, like, I feel like I could tailspin on that too, because like, I have so many questions about selling the salon and just like how you, like how you had the structures in place for that to be able to just kind of like sell it and walk away. And then my other question was, um, yeah, like, did you take anyone along with you and like what your team looks like today? So let's, let's go in that direction. Cause I really want to talk about Cosmo but of course, you know, like salon minded me, like I just have so many questions about that aspect too. Um, okay, I'm going yeah, to try these so- all. Oh, I was going to say, I'll try to hit them all. Um, Currently, I have one person with me that moved from California. I live in Texas now, so we'll get to that too. But I have my front desk girl that was answering all the phone calls. When I interviewed her, she sat down and she wanted the job. I thought she was a great fit. And I showed her the light. And she said, I remember seeing the light for the first time and thinking, I want this job. I want to work around strong women. I want to work in the beauty industry. I want to work here. But more so, that is fire. And so she remembers just that whole day back to the interview. So I brought her on board. She worked amazing for me. Um, She did a great job. And then through all of this, she played firsthand. And so when we came to selling the salon and moving, I offer her, you're more than welcome to stay with Cosmo Glow. I'm moving to Texas and she moved with us. And so that's been a really huge thing. But I feel like it was the, the right time for us both. And we've grown so much and so thankful for it. And as far as selling your salon, so for the people that want to do that, and I think at the end of the day, you have to understand what your end goal is. Maybe it's not now. It could be 10 years or 20 years, or maybe it's next month. Who knows? But one thing that stuck with me was when you're thinking about selling your salon, you have to do a lot of prep work. It's not like a flip of a switch. You really have to think about what do my books look like? Someone has to buy this based on the proof I can show them that it works. What about your staff? Who's, who, who's coming? Who's going? I don't recommend telling them right away. Like I'm thinking about selling my salon because you're going to probably get like a lot of fear tactics out of it. And you might not have a staff in a couple months, but when you're really solid down, I mean, I didn't tell my staff until we sold officially. Uh, but one of them knew because she was kind of half in between moving uh, an hour and a half away with her boyfriend or staying. So I felt like that's only the fair decision since you're already half deciding on what you should do. Let me fill you in and here's what's going on. But also show them what they're buying. I mean, somebody wants to know. For me, it was really easy because I was leaving the state. So they knew walking into it, you're going to inherit my entire book and I have a huge rapport with my clients. So if I tell them that your next client, your next appointment is booked with this person and I really want you to give them a fair shot, come once or twice or three times. And if you don't like them after that, then please move on about your way. But I do ask you like, just give her a chance. Your schedule, your appointment's already in the books. To find someone good right now, you're not going to be able to get a next appointment. And a lot of people did. I mean, she still has a lot of my current clients. And I think that's so important. 
But figure out, are your clients going with you or are they staying with your salon? Because a new buyer, that's a really important piece of information. And if you're going to take some of them, how much does that devalue your your salon that the salons you're losing you as a person, as an owner, is usually the founder and some of your clients? And you have to price that accordingly. So with me, it was a turnkey. <laughs> I am giving you the keys. I have already moved out of state and everything you see is yours. But that's not always the case with salon ownership. And I think just set yourself up for fair expectations. What what exactly are you selling? What exactly is the person buying? What's going to go with it? What about your clients? What about your staff? And list the things. Hey, you're getting all my treatment beds. You're getting all of my lash supplies. Here's the receipts proving that I have multi-thousands of dollars tied up in all of this and it's included in the price. And lay it all flat. And as long as you can deliver a true transparent package to your buyer, you're going to have a great transaction. It gets a little sketchy when a lot of those details are left out and they aren't necessarily sure what they're buying and you're not necessarily sure what you're selling. So that's my advice for salon selling or uh, sales. Yeah, I hear from all of my like clients, friends that own salons. It's like obviously the big thing. And I know I've even been there before too. It's like one thing goes wrong and you're like, you know what? That's it. I'm selling. And it's like, so I haven't even done any episodes on this yet, but it's like one thing that you have to know is like, and I'm sure because like you are such a good leader and you're such, you're so business minded that it's like, you probably had all of those copy and repeatable processes too, that like the staff knew inside and out. They like the mission stayed the same. The vision probably stayed the same. And then you found somebody to come in and kind of like take that leadership role. Cause I think that's probably the hardest thing is like, I think about, you know, what if I ever did leave? Like who would my girls turn to? And you can't just put somebody in that position. Like they have to be a true leader and that's sometimes hard to find. Um, but you know, so what um, would you say that when you did finally make this switch, like, did you miss that at all? Or like, what did you miss from it versus like now you have this whole new world in front of you? And like, how did you kind of pivot and um, I don't know, like make all the positives out of that? Yeah. I mean, tons of positives. It's weird. It's just like that saying, like when a door closes, another one opens. Like, I just feel like that chapter closed and it is so crazy. I tell you, it's so crazy to be so good at something. So good. I mean, I was booked up for six months to a year, repeatable clients. You couldn't get in my schedule. So good at something. I was about to write my own teaching so I could have students on the weekends and teach them how to lash to be so good at something. And then the next day, just never do it again. I've never picked up tweezers again. I've never picked up lashes again. And it's always like that fallback. You know, if all else fails, I know I still have it. But it's just such an interesting thing. But on the flip side, I mean, what I was working towards was so exciting. It's like the world is so endless and full of possibilities. And that's what I'm walking into. And it was a complete like career shift a uh, mental shift. You know, I went from seeing my neighborhood friends every single day. You have the same stories that you continue every two weeks and get more gossip and hang out with your friends and you kind of maintain a staff and you're teaching them and empowering them along the way on how to do this all. And then one day it's just no one's there. But I moved out of state at the same time, which for me was super exciting. We moved to Texas and I was 
my thing was I just wanted baby goats. <laughs> Give me baby goats and it makes everything else better. And so now we have baby goats. I have a couple of donkeys. We have chickens. I have baby pigs everywhere. I have a house pig. You know, so it's just a change of scenery. I went from beach to fences and I love it. It was just that that's where I was in life. It was a new chapter. And to me, it was also exciting that I don't know if I necessarily miss, miss the salon life as much as it's just like a hat salute to it. Like, thank you for taking oh, me through life. I had an epic journey and that was so valuable. And I could not do Cosmoglow without understanding business from all the things that I gained in the salon world. I'm still so close to everyone in the salon world that it's almost just like a, a tribute. Like, thank you for that time. That was a great journey that we had together. And then that journey ended and I started a new one. Yeah, that, I, I just love that story. What does it look like now? Like, cause you, you do like, I, and I'm so jealous of this, like whole, like calm on the outside, at least I'm not sure if it's calm on the back end, but I just like, it literally just, you look like you're just like, huh, like with life. And I mean, to me, when I think of somebody that runs such a big company like that and something that there is so much demand for, like, how do you, like, how did you structure this so that you could also have like some personal time and like focus on your, you know, like your own life too. Like what has it looked like taking a company like that from the ground up? And I don't know, just like all the things I just need to know. I mean, I don't know how much personal time there is. My husband and I always joke, like, what do we do when our days off? We work. And then when we're not working, we work more. And then when we're not working that time, we just think of new opportunities that we can do for work. <laughs> so luckily we're both workaholics, but uh, personal time, no. Uh, the traveling has definitely diminished and I would love to pick that up again one day, but it's also, I'm just so satisfied and happy where I'm at. I'm fulfilled. But you're also seeing me at year three. So it took me three years to kind of understand how to scale. I mean, if you remember, we were backordered for our first two and a half years. I was increasing production as much as I could. Every time I would place a new PO, it would be for more lights and more lights and more lights and more lights and more lights. And the amount of stress that you get, that, that's a wonderful and awful situation to be in because I wanted to grow so fast, but I could, we could only manufacture so many. And so then it's juggling ex client expectations. We got to where at one point, I think it was when you place your order, your light came 12 weeks later. Like that's crazy. And we still had all the orders because it took three months to get through. And so it was just sitting back and understanding now that we have this, what can we do to make us scale? What are the systems we need to put in place? What, what do we need to do to get this global? Cause this isn't it. And so we did switch manufacturers and that was a big, that was a hard challenge, a very uphill battle, but we're through it. And now that we're through it, I see how necessary it was. We could have never gotten to the point at which we're now at with our old manufacturer. But I'm also thankful because at that time I looked for somebody who could support my budget and they were a small scale. And so they took my, my first PO and they made these lights for me and they did a great job. And I think back to that, you know, my current manufacturer would laugh at me if I ever submitted as small of a PO as my forcer. They wouldn't even take me. So it was building blocks of just understanding how, how this world works, how the world of manufacturing works, how the world of product development, what it's like to create a product that has electric pieces. There's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to that. And so that's been a whole journey. We're now, we're three years into it. It was a, a lot of trying to figure out how do we get to global status 
And I feel like now you're seeing the after result where I'm calm, (laughs) cool and collective. And we've done a lot of work. I have an amazing team and we wake up every single day, come to work and figure out how we can make this company stronger, this product stronger, what we can do. I mean, my customers, you guys in the salons, you're my number one focus. We think about you guys all the time. We do exercises with like, what would make their life easier? What would make their life better? Like It all came back to focusing on the customer. But I think when this all started, it was about the product. And so that's been a big growing thing in the past couple of years is to take it full circle where before, when it first came out, it was 100% about the product. I mean, the product was innovative. It was so cool. We couldn't make them fast enough. And now it wrapped back around into how can we make this company the best company, the most trusted, the one that these people feel like they're really a part of our family. How can we support them? And so that's been a really fun journey. Yeah. And I think the more that you share your story too, and the more people know that backstory, it makes it like, I I don't know, I feel like I'm always in the um, lash boards and people are like, oh, which light should I try? And like, there's so many knockoffs of your design now. And like, even I feel like I'm always going to bat for you. I'm like, no, the person that created this light is, you know, like she was one of us. She's created this. And like, I think that like part of me was going to ask you, like, have you seen any kind of like challenges when it comes to all of these knockoffs coming out at a lower price. But like at the same time, I just feel like you are like you're it in the industry. Like everybody, like we all just know and respect you so much or know and respect the brand so much that you know you're getting quality and like your messaging is good that you are here for, you know, us, the people. So like, you know, I I don't even think I need to ask that question. Like I feel like you're still like on the up... I knew I had a product that was going to change the world. I did. And like, it's so funny in January of 2020, before I even really pursued it, when I was still kind of prototyping, I caught and talked to a patent lawyer and I thought, I want to patent this thing. And of course they had their laundry list of like, here's all the questions I need to ask you. So I'm not just taking your money. And he kind of said, I don't, until you take this seriously, I don't think you should be investing money into a patent. And in my head, I said, that's fair. These are just prototypes in a salon. But for some reason, something inside me said, even if I do nothing with it, I want the patent on the wall. Even if I never make it, I want the patent. So I told him, no, I want to go through. Let's let's fully go through this process. It's a very long, lengthy, expensive process. But something inside me was like, we're going to do it. Let's do it. And so in January 2020, I started the patent process, which in turn has been a blessing and just kind of a fight. I mean, it's so amazing to say that's my idea. It's amazing to be able to pull down listings. We can pull down almost any listing. We've we fight all the time. I mean, sometimes we report three to four hundred times, three to four hundred listings in a week, but they come down at 87, 88% success rate. And if they don't come down, we just go again. And so being able to fight and protect your idea is really powerful. And just also knowing that we care about the quality, we care about the end user, and we care about the light itself. No one can take that away. Like we are Cosmo Glow and there's only one. When it comes to everyone else, they're trying to make it as cheap as possible, as light as possible so it ships well. They're making it with materials that maybe aren't long lasting or quality, and then they're shipping them overseas. So you're paying for the shipping. So let's just break it down. You're paying for a very, 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 very inexpensive light that was made to be made as cheap as possible, as light as possible, and as small as packaging as possible so that they can put more in a cargo ship. 
Then you're paying for it to be shipped over. Then you're paying for it to usually go into a warehouse or fulfillment center. Then you're paying for it to be shipped to you. So the price you're paying, it's like 80% logistics, 20% light. Where our lights roll off the factory, I mean, the day your light is completed, it gets quality checked, inspected. They make sure the light goes on, dimmed. That box gets sealed and goes straight to your door. So you're getting so much light with very little overhead and logistics. And I think that alone should stand out and show the quality of what you're purchasing is what you're receiving when you buy with us. When you buy with someone else, you're getting such a little, tiny little amount of value with so many additional costs on top. And that's a standalone reason that make your own choice. I'm not in your seat or in your shoes. You know, I support everyone in the choice that they have to make. But when you look at it like that, it's really night and day in where you should be investing. Yeah, that's so cool. And I completely agree with you too. I mean, like, I I think anybody who's listening, if you are ever on the fence, it's like, would you rather you know, A, just for morals alone, like, would you rather buy something that you're going to have to replace literally year after year after year or just invest in the good quality, the original one that you know has the quality backing to it and the customer service behind it as well? I was going to say, no, no, we're a family back here. We answer every single email. We don't have bots on. We don't have all those crazy like automations because I don't really necessarily believe in it at this stage in our lives. We want to talk to everyone. We're here for you. We know how to work you through anything that feels like a problem. We've seen it before. We know how to walk you through. And we built these products that if you need a replaced part, you can replace the part and not the whole light. So instead of investing in a whole new light, let's see what options you have. And like our main goal is that you have the longest lasting light that you love the entire way through your 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 lashing or whatever industry you're in, that whole um area that we can cater to and really be the product that supports you. So it's not a buy and throw away product. It's an investment, but we're here to support you for as long as we can the whole way through that journey. And I think that's a really cool part is when you call, well, we don't have phone service, but when you email us or DM us, like you are talking to us and we're here for you. Like we're here to support the person using it and we're ready to just be there as a family and to support the product. And we constantly are helping people through like, oh my God, my light squeaks. That's a five minute solution. Let me help you because it shouldn't squeak. And if it does, we can help you do that. But it's like being able to say, hey, that's a super easy fix. I know exactly how to do it. Here's what you do. And now if you can make it silent again, how awesome was that? It took five minutes. And we love being able to just solve those simple issues for our customers. Yeah, so cool. So how has your... Last like couple of questions. How has your vision changed now that the company did get so big? Because you probably didn't expect this to happen. It's like you knew that it was like going to be a product, but not like this big, I'm sure. So how has your vision changed now? Like what is your current vision where you see the company going like even 10 years from now? And then what are some of your like couple of like short term goals that you're working on in the next couple of years? I mean, kind of roll those into one. So how we saw, how it happened was it was just out of control growth and we were trying to keep up as much as we could. And now that we have the ability to manufacture as fast as possible, um, it's really taking a good look at the company and understanding where our potential lies and being able to invest in that. So we have a lot of product development going on for multiple industries. And I see how Cosmoglow changed the world of lashing primarily. And I think, you know, when you think about it, there really isn't like a nail light. 
there really isn't a makeup light. There really isn't a light that's specifically for PMU. So that lets us walk into all these industries and be that new standard as Cosmoglow was to lashing. It's really exciting. Um, so that's definitely part of it is product development. And then the other hard part of that is where do I see it going? We want everyone to be able to experience the amazingness of Cosmoglow products. And it's been a huge goal of mine since day one, but it takes time to get there and takes time to restructure and takes time to really get your procedures and get everything ready to expand. And by the end of the year, uh, we should be opening up UK probably this week. Um, but that's been a long time coming. And we've been working on this all year to get your proper certifications, to be able to get transportation and logistics worked out, to get warehouses. And so for us, being able to expand into a new area is so exciting. And then right behind it is opening up EU and right behind that, hopefully Australia. But it's being able to get this light everywhere on top of understanding that there is a need for more lights for more industries and being able to walk into that area of now that I understand what I understand, we have the product development, we have the knowledge, we understand how to do this. Let's do it. It's almost like a calling of like, they need really good lights too. Like we should be the industry standard for every industry. It's wide open. So let's step into it. I freaking love it. And I have no doubt that it's going to happen. I am seriously so honored that you came on here and told everybody your story. Um, yeah. Thank you, Mary. And I can't wait to see you. You're coming to um, Dream Boss. Yes. I'm so excited. Yeah. So I'll get to see you in person for Dream Boss, guys. Tickets are still available. It is January 13th in August, Texas. So come hang out with me and Mary and we'll see you all there. Yes. I would love to hang out with all of you guys. Book your ticket. It's going to be a fun. It's a whole New Year's thing. So walk into January with a fresh start. Thank you yes. so much for having me on today. All right. Thanks again, Mary. I'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye.